Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and live in God's freedom. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Jennifer Slattery, and today is the first in a two-part discussion, maybe a three-part discussion, depending on how much we cover, on some of the steps involved in building a courageous faith. And I first got the idea for today's topic about a year ago. I was preparing to speak at a women's event on the topic of fear, and as I was researching, I became fascinated with the dramatic change that we see in the disciples from who kind of their default response, the way they responded to problems, to crises before Christ's death and resurrection, to how they responded after. And yes, I understood that before Christ's death and resurrection, they didn't really have the Holy Spirit. So I, I got that, but I also knew I have the Holy Spirit. And yet there are so many times when I tend to respond like, the pre-resurrection disciples, like the disciples before Christ's resurrection, rather than the disciples after Christ's death and resurrection. And so I wanted to know some of the components that maybe built their courage so that I could begin to learn from those things. And then I could share with the women that I was about to speak with. And prior to Christ's death and resurrection, they had seen him perform so many miracles. So they had watched him numerous times heal the sick and including those who had leprosy. He had restored sight to the blind. 
He had fed thousands from one child's lunch. He'd calmed a storm. He had even raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. And yet, when you watch a lot of these interactions in Scripture, it seems like when problems arose, their thoughts always went to what seemed logical to a natural solution rather than to a supernatural solution, even though God's son was like right there with them. And so one example, I've spoken about this on previous episodes before, but one example came in John chapter six, when Jesus, he looked, there's like a large crowd of people and he's, he said, Hey, they're hungry, give them something to eat. And the disciples were like, um, how are we going to do that? We don't have enough money. We can't, there's not even anywhere we can go get food. And so basically, again, so here was Jesus, who they'd they'd seen perform all these miracles, and yet they're thinking of their pocketbooks, and they're thinking of a grocery store. Well, they didn't have grocery stores back then, but you know what I mean. And that, I think, sometimes is, is my tendency as well. And that sets me up for fear. When the biggest crisis of the disciples' lives hit, and when Jesus was arrested, they fled in fear, and in despair. Now, can you imagine what that moment must have felt like for them? So here was, they were convinced Christ was the Messiah, and he was, he is, and they had seen him perform all of these miracles. They had basically forsaken their everything else for him, like whatever dreams they had held, whatever plans they'd had, They completely shifted the course of their lives to follow after him, believing that he was like this solution to all of these problems. And here he was crucified. And but even more than that, then they had. So after his crucifixion, which just had to feel just so. So I I don't even think we can really comprehend how heavy that and how hard and how how painful and confusing that must have felt for them. But then also, so to reflect on, so once it was all over, to reflect on how they had behaved, how they had abandoned the one that they loved most and the one who had faithfully loved them, like just kind of reflecting. I mean, they had to, they had to reflect on that a bit and reflection. It can be defeating or it can be empowering and transforming. So it can be defeating if we lose sight of God's grace and his love. And if we slip towards shame and condemnation, it can be empowering. It can be transforming if we invite God into, like if if we invite him into our pain and into our processing, if we invite God's grace to cover our greatest regrets, if we seek his wisdom and his clarity in the middle of our uncertainty and our confusion. And if we ask for his strength, if we yield really to his strength that overcomes our weaknesses with his perfect strength. You see, God doesn't want us to remain stuck in our fear. He wants to bring us to a place of world-changing history, making courageous faith as he did with the disciples. And he will do that. Like if we seek him in the middle of our pain, and our discouragement and our fear, he will help us steadily move towards increased faith. And, you know, we see a really vivid example of this in scripture with Peter. So Peter was one of Christ's disciples, and he was also called Simon. 
And prior to Christ's death and resurrection, he was super, super confident of his bravery. And so on the night before Christ's death, he gathers all of his disciples to this upper room for this really special, really intimate, solemn, sacred meal. And he told them, hey, one of you is going to betray me. And they began asking, like, is it me, Lord? And that, I think that shows, like, they understood their propensity to do that. They understood, like, yeah, I don't I don't want to do that. I don't think I would do that. But, yeah, there's a part of me that I, I, I could. And sometimes that's, you know, it's good to recognize our propensity for sin, for weakness, for fear. And Jesus told Peter, and, so this is in Luke Twenty two thirty one, And he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, here's a few things I notice in that verse. First, Jesus warned Peter, Ahead of time, it's like, you know what? You are going to hit a moment of weakness. You are going to be in a position where you're going to do what you think right now would be unthinkable. And you are going to deny me. Now, Simon should have responded by saying, okay, how do, how do you want me to handle this, Lord? How can I stay strong in that situation? You're warning me. So what are your steps for me? How do you want to guide me through this? But he didn't. He didn't do that. Instead, he replied, and this is in Luke 22, verse 33. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Now, this is a quote from a Bible scholar named Ellicott. He said, there is something like a latent tone of indignation as well as devotion. So he's speaking on Simon's response. The disciple half resented the thought that a special prayer should be made for him. He was so convinced of his strength and courage. And here's what happened because of that, because he, he walked into it with like the sense of, he walked into the situation so convinced of his, his strength. He turned to self-reliance, which actually is weakness. He had the opportunity to seek strength from Christ, to seek courage and wisdom and preparation, soul deep preparation from Christ. But instead he's like, no, I I could never do that. And so that turned him to self-reliance. And had he turned to Christ in humility and dependence, he would have received strength and courage. And I do wonder reading Peter's response, Simon's response. I wonder how much of that came from shame. Because I think sometimes that we can do that, right? We, we can be so ashamed. Like, I could never do that, Lord. And if I do that, I am a terrible person. And so, like I said, we can either shift towards shame or shift towards freedom. And if we shift towards shame, we become defensive. I could never do that. I would never do that to you. I'm ready to die with you. But Jesus wasn't shaming Peter. And Jesus never shames. He was warning Peter in love. And then contrast Peter's response to the other disciples when they're like, hey, is it me? And when we recognize our weakness, that doesn't that should not bring us to shame. Instead, it should bring us to a place of 
dependence. And like I said, that is where we find strength and that is where we find courage. And that is where we experience growth. Now also, so prior to this point, scripture, we see in scripture that Jesus warned all of his disciples that he was going to die three times. He was really clear in this and numerous other times he was a lot more subtle, but here's the thing. So he warned them just like he had warned Peter. So like, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And I know this was to prepare them to prepare their hearts and their souls so that they could just experience more peace. I mean, it still would have been hard. It still would have been terrifying, but less so if they had really used that, those warnings to bolster their souls. And they, but they didn't gain strength, it seems, from his warning because they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want him to die. And therefore, they're kind of like, I don't hear you. And so they didn't receive the strength and the encouragement that Christ was wanting to build into their souls. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Now, imagine, again, if they had reacted differently, like when Jesus warned them, if they had said, okay, wow, I really don't like what you're saying. I don't want to hear this, but I'm going to hear this. I'm going to listen, and I'm going to see what you have for me in this. I'm going to trust that you have, you are, you have freedom and love and hope in this, and so I'm going to seek you in this. And so it's really the difference between fighting God versus surrendering to God. And when we fight God, we kind of, we forfeit that strength and that courage and that comfort and encouragement that he is speaking into us, not because we stop him from loving. Jesus kept speaking. Jesus kept loving. Jesus kept warning, but we hinder ourselves from receiving it. And so when we lived in Southern California, and I I think I shared this story. So this was at least 20 years ago. And my marriage was in a really rough place. Our finances were in a rough place. I was in, I mean, I had, I like, this was just the very, very beginning of my healing journey. And there was a point where, like, I felt so alone and everything felt so uncertain. And I was anxious a lot of the time. And I sensed God saying to me one day that, that sometimes things get worse before they get better. And I kind of heard him and I knew, like, I, I had that, like, I knew in my soul that was from him that he was kind of warning me, but I didn't want to hear it. And really, I just kind of moved on to, I, I am like, okay, I hear that, but I don't know what it means. And then instead of really hitting pause and really investigating that, I just kind of moved on. And then after that, things did get worse before they got better. Like we had a really rough three years where we lost everything. And there was a time when we had all of our belongings in storage and whatever we could fit in our van. We had a minivan at the time. We had it loaded in our minivan and we're staying in this rent by the month, just this teeny little, it was like a 500 square foot apartment, not knowing like 
how long my husband's job was going to last. We actually went through prior to that a period of unemployment. And then he got this contract work and I kind of fell apart. I mean, God held me through it. And he used that, that whole transitional period to reveal some fears, to reveal the lies beneath my fears, to, to really heal some things in my marriage. So he's still faithful. But I just wonder how much stronger would I have been going into that situation if when I sensed God saying to me, hey, sometimes things are going to get worse before they get better. If I had hit pause and I've been like, OK, Lord, I hear you. I don't want I don't like what you're saying right now. I would rather fight you in this. I would rather things just get better and better and better and life to be easy and comfortable. But you've told me it won't be. So how should I respond in this? How can I prepare and strengthen my heart? And, you know, I I also wish I would have journaled on what I heard that afternoon from God so that I could go back. And, and there's so many times like where God will say something to me, speak into my soul, and I know it in the moment and it gives me courage and, and peace in the moment. And then I just kind of go about my day. And I wonder if back in Southern California, if I had journaled over that and kind of what I that I knew that that was God speaking to me at the time. I also wonder if that would have helped me to be stronger through the journey. If it would have been less frightening again, God used that time. He never abandoned me, but I think the journey would have been a little less difficult. And so I also now, and I, and I wonder if that would have been true for Peter and for the disciples but even though, like in my story, I felt like I failed in so many ways and Peter and the disciples failed in so many ways. When Jesus spoke that to Peter, when he's like, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Basically, it's like he's saying your failure won't be the end. When you have turned back, you will turn back to me. This moment is going to pass. It's going to be hard. It's going to hurt. It's going to, you're going to regret it, but you can bounce back from that. And it's interesting every time, pretty much every time when I research a topic, whether it's for a speaking engagement or to write an article or for a podcast episode, it seems like I find myself struggling with whatever, whatever it is I am going to speak about. And I think, I think that's good. I mean, God uses that, but let me give an example. So recently I was going through just a a really painful time where I had become alert to some new areas of brokenness within me and, and just the hard journey ahead to kind of move through that and to grow in those areas that were not life-giving, to move away from certain behaviors and ways of thinking that were not life-giving towards what was. And I just kind of, remember I said, you can go to shame or you can go to transformation. I kind of was just camped out in shame for a bit. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I can speak on this topic. I, I feel like a fraud. I feel like a hypocrite. And, and God actually reminded me because I, I was studying on, I've been studying on Peter's behavior for a really long time, but God reminded me of his word to Peter when you turn back. And I felt like he was saying to me, Hey, girl, turn back. Like your failure is not the end. Get up and. If we turn to him, God uses our failure for good. I believe he did that. You know, Jesus said, strengthen your brothers. And and I think there was probably a humility, a compassion in Peter 
when he was encountering other believers after Christ's death and resurrection, and so other Christ followers during a time of persecution, and you know those who were new to the faith, experiencing doubt, and who'd had their own moments of failure, and he was able to speak to them then to comfort them from a place of understanding. And I felt like God was saying the same thing to me, like, yeah, that these old ways of behaving, that's not you. That's not for you. That's not life giving. And yeah, I'm grieved with you too, but that's not who you are. And that's not where you'll stay. And because you understand both what it feels like to be there both and how hard it is to move towards increased freedom and the freedom I'm calling you to, you are going to be able to speak to those kind of stuck in those places, stuck in their guilt, stuck in their shame from a place of compassion and of understanding. And so that's what he said to Peter, right? He said, strengthen your brothers. And when we are our failure, when we surrender it to Christ, when we seek his perspective and his grace and his love through our failure, our times of weakness, our times of fear, whatever it is, we experience humility. And um, as we experience humility, we experience more of Christ. We experience his grace. And like I said, we we then are able to share from a place of compassion and really a a deeper level of advice, I guess, where we can say, you know what? I get it. I've been there. And this is what helped me when I was in that place. So God can and will use our biggest moments of, of failure, of fear, of pain. He will use it for good. And our failure and our pain does not get the final say. But we, we have a reaction to that, right? We have a responsibility because also notice in that whole period of Christ, the night before Christ's death and, and everything that happened, all of the disciples failed, right? They all betrayed him in a way. And Peter and the other disciples, they bounced back. Judas never did. Judas, it, it, it completely destroyed him and he ended up committing suicide. So our failures, our regret, our fear, if we get camped into that, like I said, that shame, it, they can destroy us. Or they can, if we turn towards Jesus and we live in his grace, they can make us more reliant upon and more grateful for God's grace. And that absolutely transforms us. And and that's what resiliency looks like, right? It's, it's the ability to bounce back from weakness and from failure. And I spoke on resiliency in depth in episode 111, How to Increase Your Resiliency. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back to take a listen. And now let's go back, though, to Peter, because I really want to kind of focus on his just his transformation journey, because, like I said, he was so convinced he wasn't going to fail. He failed in such a painful way. But then after the resurrection, so. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples and he said in Luke 24, 49, he said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And then we read about, and I want to pause here actually. So like I said earlier, they had seen Jesus do so many things and they had had intense training. 
they had been with him for three intensive years where they were like with him pretty much 24 hours a day, I assume, seven days a week for three years. Like if you look at the hours spent in college or or mint or like seminary to go into training or, or, or missionary training. And if you were to equate that same amount of time of training spent into university hours, like you would be brilliant, right? And you'd think, okay, I'm ready. But, but they weren't. Jesus said, I want you to wait until you receive what my father has promised. And then we see this happen actually in Acts 1, verse 8, we read where actually where Jesus tells them, like, this is going to be the transition. So he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you will be my witnesses. You who ran, who fled in fear, you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem where I was crucified in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And notice as well. So he's like, you're going to receive power first and then ministry. And so often I get that backwards. I want to do ministry first. I want to speak to my neighbor first. I want to address that relational conflict first and then expect God's power to kind of come along on the back end. When I feel like Jesus is saying to us, sit in my presence, receive my power first, and then go out from a place of power. And again, they had been thoroughly and intensely trained. They'd seen the resurrected Christ at this point, like when when Jesus is talking to them in Acts 1, verse 8. They had proof and assurance that he kept his promises, right? Like he's like, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise from the dead. He'd done that. And they also had proof that death wasn't the end. I mean, those are all powerful components to a strong faith, right? But they were powerful components, but they were insufficient by themselves. The disciples were not ready because their power was insufficient. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. They weren't strong enough in themselves, no matter how amazing they were, no matter no matter how much knowledge they had. They were not strong in themselves to do all that God asked them to do and to live as he desired. And I think many of us, we have spent our entire lives relying on ourselves. And so self-reliance has become in many ways for many of us, our default response. And we need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. So this, I see this all the time in my ministry. It's like, it's almost like you have this default setting, right? And so in ministry, as my ministry has grown, I I lead Holy Love Ministries. And as it's grown, I've, I've had to delegate different tasks to volunteers. And there's always like this transitional period where it's not that I don't think they're competent. And it's not that I don't want them to do the job. But sometimes I just I forget. And like, I'm so used to doing something, I fall into the habit of my old way instead of like passing it off to that person. And we do the same with God. I think sometimes we We are so accustomed to relying on ourselves and our wisdom and our strength that that has become our default response. And we need to learn to shift. We need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. And so when we are in a place of fear, because fear comes unexpectedly a lot, right? And so that's when we really will tend to hit our default response just because it's kind of like we're so used to that. but. We need to learn to pause and then to pray, to seek God's perspective, 
to seek his power and then to reflect on truth and really to ask him like, Lord, help me to remember truth. And that leads to courage. So notice the difference in Peter after Christ's resurrection and after he received the Holy Spirit. So we read in Acts 3, basically, so he heals a man and the, the people are astonished. They come running like crowds of people to him and John. He preaches the gospel and through that, 500 people trust in Christ for salvation. But the religious leaders, they become distressed and they throw him into jail. Well, the next day, they... Peter and John are brought before. Now, first, I have to say, though, so the jail in in the first century, that's not like what our jails were like. This would have been like a dungeon. This was not a fun, not a pretty place. And so the next day, the religious leaders, they bring Peter and John before them. And this is here's what what fascinated me. They were brought before the same men who had condemned Jesus. To death. So Peter, it's almost like Peter gets a do over. Peter had denied Jesus when he was condemned by these same men. Only this time he boldly proclaimed Christ. And so we read in Acts 4, verses 10 through 12, this is what he said Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which he must be saved. But And so then, so the leaders are like, hey, you need to quit speaking about this Jesus guy. They release him, they say, you gotta quit speaking. But then we read that Peter And John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. So again, he now is courageously living out what he had proclaimed so confidently he was going to do before Christ's death and resurrection. He's like, I'm ready to go to jail. I'm ready to die for you. What a huge, huge difference. And so to kind of recap really quickly, we need to heed God's wording when it comes. Don't fight it. Surrender to it and say, you know what? Like us fighting God's God's words, it's not going to make that thing not happen. It's just going to place us in a position of weakness. So instead, surrender and say, Lord, how do you want me to respond? And also remember, there's no cause for shame. We are going to fail. We're going to have moments where we give in to fear and anxiety. Shame hinders growth. And so Christ invites us to choose humility over self-reliance, to learn from our failures past and present, from our fears past and present, to let God use our past failures and weakness to, to really strengthen us, to transform us, to deepen our dependency on him, to increase our compassion for others, and to educate us for effective ministry. And finally, we need to live spirit-empowered. And I know that's a lot, and and I do think we're going to probably have more to cover in a follow-up episode because there's just so, so much good stuff. And But I think if I can just leave you with one thought, it's this. Jesus is calling all of us to freedom. He's going to bring us there. If we belong to him, we have the Holy Spirit within us just leading us, guiding us, empowering us, and strengthening us. 
And so this is a journey, though. It's a learning process, just like it was for the disciples. It's a learning process for us as well. But it, but we're not walking this alone. God is guiding us. He's, he's showing us step by step, and he's helping us to transform our thinking and to shift from our old way of doing things to a life built on courage, faith, and dependence. Well, thank you for listening. I hope that encouraged you. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to rate it. That helps others to find it and it encourages our team as well. Share it with your friends too so they can be encouraged. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.